John Labs, the editor-in-chief of Skiff Meetings. And in this episode of the Skiff Meetings podcast, I get to speak with Gabriel Cedar, Vice President Global Development at Destinations International. Our core topic is the future of destination organizations. And we discuss things like the evolving role of destination organizations, the destination marketing versus management debate. We talk about the important role of destination organizations in advocating for the business events industry. We talk about why authentic travel experiences are top of mind for destination organizations. And we talk about why destination organizations must be able to clearly communicate the value that they provide. Hope you enjoy listening to this conversation and don't forget to check out the other episodes of the podcast. for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Skift Meetings podcast. And today I am delighted to have with me Gabriel Cedar, the Vice President Global Development at Destinations International. Goes by Gabe. Gabe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Miguel. Really happy to be here. Thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for the invitation to come on and, and talk with you today. Looking forward to it. So Gabriel, we, we've kind of met recently, got to know each other a little bit, but I wanted to start by asking you to introduce yourself. Um, and I'd love to start f- from the point of kind of where you got to know the meetings industry, the destination kind of industry from this kind of business events perspective. Um, start wherever you want to start, but but take us through to, to where you are today. Yeah, happy to, to speak to that and go. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people in the industry, I, I arrived here through a bit of a circuitous uh, route um, and came really through uh, the tourism side uh, rather than business events. Um, I worked for uh, a number of years uh, sort of out, out of school uh, for an agency that um, that worked uh, specifically in, in tourism and tourism development uh, in destination marketing. Uh, so I started off with with marketing and did that through an agency through a number of years uh, and then moved into uh, the consulting side and uh, worked specifically uh, on destination development. Um, and we focused on uh, tourism development as a driver uh, for um, for international development objectives. Uh, and so we would work with uh, international donors on programs around uh, biodiversity conservation or economic development, um, but focused very much on, on tourism sector. Uh, and so through that work, I uh, had the opportunity to work um, in a, a, a great many <laughs> um, emerging destinations, say, or, or destinations that were really exploring opportunities with, with tourism, uh, had the opportunity to work um, establishing uh, DMOs or, or starting um, uh, or working with really early stage DMOs. Um, and uh, uh, kind of moved from there um, into focusing on the, the DMO and destination space and uh, moved over to Destinations International um, about three and a half years ago. 
Uh, I had the opportunity to meet Jack Johnson, who leads our advocacy team, uh, and he asked me to join. Uh, so I, I made that jump in February of 2020, um, just a couple of weeks before the pandemic. Uh, and so, you know, when I when I reflect on my time at DI, uh, you know, I I was I was there in the office um, for about two or three weeks uh, before really the pandemic set in. Uh, we all went remote, and it's been uh, a bit of a topsy turvy adventure ever since. This is definitely an interesting time. And you, where are you based at the moment? Yeah, so I um, I'm sitting in my home office here in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I moved here with my wife about uh, about 18 months ago. Um, you know, we're we're working remote. Um, DI went remote during the pandemic, and uh, I've been in uh, DC for about 15 years. And um, yeah, with with uh, you know the onset of, of remote work and our, our remote team, we had the opportunity to kind of take a step back and um, yeah, say this is where we want to be, and and decided to to make a move here. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I'm based in Denmark. We're also fully remote on the Skift side, so we're kind of on, on different sides of the planet, but also have that, that freedom, which is great. Um, I saw in your background, there's a lot of sustainability work as well and, and kind of um, working in different parts of the world. I can see Liberia, Jamaica. It sounds like you've been to some pretty interesting places, and this was all kind of setting up tourism projects in all parts of the world. Yeah, well, everything, you know, it's tourism uh, would be kind of the red thread that would would run through um, all of these different programs, but it was a, a fairly diverse um, mix of projects that I had the opportunity to work on. Uh, so, for example, you mentioned uh, Liberia, and it was one of the last projects that I, I worked on before I did jump over uh, to DI was um, a, a program looking at opportunities um, to, uh, to develop uh, tourism in protected areas um, in, in Liberia. So looking at a couple of uh, of areas that were um, uh, the early stages of, of development of, of protected areas of national parks um, and looking at how you create um, tourism assets there, uh, attract investment, um, looking at protected area management, um, concession systems, and, and so on. Um, just an absolutely fascinating project, um, you know, in, in, a, in a destination that uh, has very, very little uh, tourism infrastructure, obviously. And um, yeah, so it has its, its own set of challenges, but obviously, uh, yeah, fascinating work. Um, and had an opportunity to work in a lot of other destinations as well. You mentioned Jamaica, uh, which obviously has a booming visitor economy, uh, but we we're looking at how um, to involve uh, sort of non-traditional actors in the, in the, in the visitor economy, uh, working in the interior of the island, uh, working with communities, um, looking to expand that, that, visitor, um, that visitor economy and the value chain of the industry. Um, to uh, to include some of these um, uh, disadvantaged populations uh, in, in the country, which obviously was um, interesting and rewarding uh, and challenging work as well. Fascinating. I think that could be a whole other podcast episode, but uh, but let's stick to 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 the matters at hand. Quick question: How do you explain to family and friends uh, who are not involved in the industry what you do in, in your current role? Yeah, that's. That's a great question, and I'm I'm always curious how how your other guests respond to that question as well. Um, and I will admit that the explanation changes a little bit depending on who I'm who I'm talking with and um, you know their level of familiarity with the industry uh, and so on. Uh, but uh, you know it, I, it's typically fairly easy to explain that DI uh, Destinations International is the trade association that represents destinations around the world. Uh, and so we advocate on behalf of destination organizations 
Uh, we provide professional development resources for destination sales marketing professionals, um, and we create a and, and, and nurture a community of uh, of destination professionals around the world. Um, and then my role there uh, as as VP of global development is uh, to think about how we uh, truly live up to that that big I in our name, that international, um, and think about what are our strategies for for global growth in terms of of membership, in terms of partnership. Um, in the value proposition that we have, how do we build a, a more global and inclusive uh, audience and, and, and community? Um, how are we ensuring that the content that we produce speaks to global audiences? How do we provide tools and resources that uh, cross borders and um, yeah, and, and develop a value proposition for uh, a global community of destination professionals? Very interesting. So. I want to start a little bit from the top when it comes to destinations international, you know, DI for sure. I think most people are used to that acronym, but who are the members? How many members do you have? How does it work on a very basic level? Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are surprised to hear that DI has been around for more than a hundred years. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I probably should know the exact number, maybe 106 or 108 years or so. Um, and we've been doing our annual convention for more than a hundred years. Uh, during that time, you know, we've, we've gone through a few different, um, maybe, uh, identities, uh, from the international, uh, association of convention bureaus and convention and visitor bureaus to DMAI and now DI. Uh, but through, through that time, of course, the core identity has been the same. Um, for a, a lot of that time we were focused on. On North America obviously grew out of, of the US and the Midwest specifically. Um, but over the, the 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 past decade or so have really um taken a step back and um and uh and uh, thought about what it means to, to truly be a global um organization and, and to prioritize that in terms of the work that we we do both um both internally um but also the uh you know the content that we produce um and the value that we bring to the uh to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um We've got about 700 destination members, so we are a membership organization, uh, and um, uh, the, the majority of those are based in North America. Uh, we've, we've got about maybe about 500 or so members uh, that are based in the U.S. and uh, a really strong cohort in Canada as well, and then a, a growing international membership base uh, as well. Uh, and then we work very closely with um, with our partners. Um, that could be media vendors. Um, you know, marketing agencies and, and so on, uh, work very closely with them as well and, and our business members. Um, but uh, yeah, at, at the core, we're a membership association for destination organizations. Fascinating. And, and I think, yeah, definitely the one of the longest standing organizations in our sector. So always good to, to kind of understand that. I, I You mentioned DMAI. So I think when I first got involved in the industry, it was called DMAI. So Destinations Marketing uh association international association. Right? Yep. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. so but you, so i guess the big change there is is the dropping of the marketing and i wondered if you could expand on that a little bit because is marketing a sort of dirty term or or, or is it just that destinations or, or these organizations that represent destinations feel like they do more than marketing yeah good question and you know i, I think no marketing is certainly not a, a dirty word i i um yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say that at all um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. So there's, there's always been this question, okay, DMO is, is M marketing, is that management, is it a destination marketing organization? Is it a destination management organization? Uh, 
you know, we hear sometimes people talk about DMMO, Destination Marketing and Management Organization, and trying to encapsulate, you know, or, or articulate exactly what it is that that organization does. Uh, we will kind of sidestep that question entirely. Uh, and so we don't, we don't talk about DMOs at all. Uh, we just talk about destination organizations. And it doesn't matter if you're a tourist board or you're a convention bureau or you're a CBB uh, or a state tourism office or a national organization, uh, you're at the end of the day, a, a destination organization. Uh, and I think that that does a few things. I think that that recognizes that all organizations are involved to some degree in both marketing and management, you know, whatever that, whatever that means. Uh, and it allows us to maybe set aside the semantic discussion and just focus on, you know, at, at, at the core, what is that organization? Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's reflected in, in our name as well. So we did, as you mentioned, went through a bit of a rebrand uh, about eight or eight or so years ago, uh, where we did drop the M uh, entirely. And, uh, yeah, rather than Destination Marketing Association International, uh, became simply Destinations International. I mean, I know you're kind of sidestepping it, so I hope you don't mind the question, but is is this a reflection on the idea that these organizations are doing more than just kind of trying to sell a destination? They have some responsibility or some ability to also feed back and be part of those communities and those places. It, it sounds like you're saying, hey, we can't just sit here and sell whatever we have, but we can actually be a part of building that. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, yeah, and certainly not trying to evade that question uh, at all. And I think, you know, as as we kind of dig into the conversation a bit as well, um, you know, we've got a, a good deal of data to, to back that up. Um, you know, this uh, idea of the destination organization's scope uh, expanding beyond simply sales and marketing is something that has been a reality for a long time, certainly as long as I've lived in the worked in the industry. Uh, you know, there's always been this question of marketing versus management. Um, so there's, without a doubt, uh, that's part of the mandate of of our members, um, and it's 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 an increasing uh, uh, percentage of of the work that they do as well. Um, you know, the we put out a good deal of research, like I mentioned, including I think we'll maybe talk about uh, the Destinations Next Future study um, that we released recently as well. And that's that's really the major narrative that comes out of that piece of research, uh, which is that um, you know, the role of the destination organization in you know, the, the kind of the supply side of the equation. So you've got you know, your demand side, the marketing, and then the supply side, the product itself within the destination. And the, the role of the destination organization uh, that touches that supply side is um, an ever-growing, let's say, um, piece of, of of the mix and uh, a growing priority for for the destination organization, and um, certainly something that our members uh, spend an awful lot of time thinking about, um, and uh, you know, kind of demanding that we um, focus on as well. Okay, so it sounds like there's a lot of work to do. Um, do you have any? specific examples that you can think of of when an organization is able to do that is able to really kind of go back into the community and and have more of a management role that you think has, has kind of shifted things yeah of course for sure um you know where, where do you even start with that you know i think 
maybe first and foremost uh, is the role of advocates for the industry uh, and the role that the destination organization takes on within their community um, to be the entity that speaks on behalf of the industry. So how does the destination organization elevate and communicate the impact that the industry has on the community? Um, how does that destination organization get in front of policymakers, um, you know, and have a seat at the table where where decisions are being made uh, to make sure that the industry is is being reflected? So, you know, that I think is a is kind of an obvious example, but just one of many. You know, you could talk about um, the role of the, the destination organization uh, in reflecting the the community within the industry. So, sort of the inverse of what I'm talking about as well, and saying, okay, how are we ensuring that the needs and the expectations of the community are being reflected in terms of the industry and in terms of the product that's being developed and the product obviously that's being marketed where they've got direct control over that um, and ensuring that the, the product that is being marketed uh, is true and authentic and reflects the place uh, and reflects a place that's fair and, and equitable um, you know from a from a from a social lens as well um and then of course you know there's there's the much more say tangible or um yeah kind of literal ways that the, the destination organizations involved in in destination development um and workforce development you know in, ensuring that uh workers are being attracted and retained and upskilled um you know uh having a uh, a seat at the table when decisions are being made in terms of of infrastructure investments, um, attracting investment into the destination, um, questions of access, connectivity, um, inclusivity, like I mentioned as well. Um, yeah, this is not a, a simple I, task. A there's, <laughs> there's a lot going yeah. on here. So, okay, let's jump into the research that you're doing because obviously, I think these destination organizations can potentially have a huge impact, right? Not just in selling the destination, but also kind of with their own communities. And so one of the ways you're kind of enabling them to do this is through the research that you do, right? And I know you mentioned the the future, the Destination Next Future Study Report. This comes out every two years, if I'm not mistaken, or has done for the last, for the last like kind of sort of uh, time period. And so you've just released a 2023 future study. Um, could you give me sort of your overview and particularly the things that you found interesting or surprising that that you think would be interesting for our readers sure yeah of course um so the 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 future study like you mentioned uh, comes out every two years uh this is a project which for the past four or five um iterations we've worked with uh with our partners um at mmgy next factor um so in particular paula met and, and, and greg oates um formerly of, of skift as you may know um, who, uh, yeah, have, have been tremendous partners uh, of ours and um, really do an awful lot of the uh, the heavy lifting in terms of of collecting the data and, and helping us sort through the data. Um, so certainly uh, need to acknowledge the the work that they're doing and and of course their um, yeah invaluable contributions to the future study. Um, you know that said, the the study is is, is based on a survey. Um, and it's a it's a global survey of destination professionals. Um, it's something we're very very proud of. It's it's by far our, our most ambitious and most global in, in scope. 
uh, in terms of the, the research that we do. Um, this year, we had more than 800 respondents uh, in about 60 different countries. Um, so really reflects, I think, a, a, a really um, robust um, global voice. Uh, and what we do is um, uh, assemble uh, panels of, of experts um, from, from the industry and then from adjacent industries as well. So we've got, for example, our disruptors panel, uh, which consists of um, technology companies, um, you know, innovative companies that are working in that space. We've got our community panel, which consists of public sector um, uh, stakeholders, um, our, our industry panel uh, of, of associations, um, and so on. And, uh, um, and then, of course, we've got the, the destinations themselves. Um, we've put together a, a, a global advisory group um, of uh, about 20 different individuals. Uh, that help reflect um, the industry and um, in their different regions of the world and then help push out the survey, uh, of course, to, to their networks. And, and so working through these different panels, uh, we're able to ensure that we've got a, you know, a diversity of voices and also a, a fairly strong reach in terms of the, the survey itself. This is this is a um, big so, survey. I mean, we do surveys and we do reports, but this is a big survey. I mean, just having that kind of the amount of respondents and the depth that you go into is, is very impressive. And and it's all available for free with to download on the website, right? So anybody who's interested can kind of go and, and check it out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all available on, on the website. Um and uh and so what we're able to do uh, you know, with that data um is is really two things. Uh so we look at we look at aggregating uh, trends, sort of macro level trends that are affecting the industry, uh, you know, affecting the destinations, of course, specifically. Uh, and then we look at strategies that the destinations um, are pursuing to address uh, those trends or, or, or mitigate those trends or capitalize on those trends as the case may be. Um, and then we look at ranking those trends and ranking those strategies relative to each other uh, and so we're, we're able to kind of arrive at, you know, a top five or top 10 or top 50 or hundred, you know, depending on the, say the size of the, the scope that you're looking at. Um, and, and, uh, and how do yeah, you do that? I mean, do you, do you just ask in the survey? Cause, cause it seems you have to kind of identify that in this case, the top 50 and then rank them. So those are two separate exercises. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we rely on those panels that I mentioned before to actually identify the trends themselves. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, they'll look at, uh, you know, you name it, the role of, of AI, for instance, or, um, you know, different, different trends, obviously, um, identify those, then we go out with the survey um, and, and speak to the destinations to actually uh, rank and, um, and qualify those, uh, those standards relative to each other. Yeah, I just, I mean, I looked through the, the, the trends and the strategies that and the first thing that stands out to me is, you know, AI is the top trend. And it's a new one as well, right? Or it's not a new one, but it, it kind of went up a huge amount this year, which is not surprising. It's sort of on everybody's mind. But then when it comes to strategies, the first one to mention AI is number 43. So, you know, just from there, I kind of deduced that AI is on top of everybody's mind, but nobody's quite figured out how to make it work for them. Is that sort of your understanding? I'm not asking this as a, as a sort of AI expert, but just sort of what you're reading kind of here in the trends and the strategies. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Um, and you know, like like any survey, there's there's always a bit of bias um, 
you know, as a result of a few things, I think in this case, it's just a result of when the survey was actually in the field uh, and certainly coincided with, um, you know, an awful lot of media uh, around ChatGPT4 had recently come out as well as any number of, you know, generative AI tools um, that were taking, you know, not just the industry by storm, but, you know, really anybody that, you know, was paying attention to the news. Um, and so, yeah, that's certainly rocketed, like you said, to the top of our top of our list. I think in the last the last time that we had done this survey about two years before, uh, yes, AI was was on the radar. I, I think it was maybe like 80, 80th out of a you know out of a hundred trends or something. So so near the bottom. And of course, like you mentioned, this this year it was at the very top. Uh, so I think your analysis is is pretty good. I think everybody is. Uh, aware of AI, uh, aware of the potential that it has, and I think casting around looking for opportunities to capitalize on that, but maybe um, not totally clear what that looks like, um, at least beyond the sort of obvious um, applications. Uh, and so, yeah, it's interesting to see it at the top of the strategies, but um, excuse me, at the top of the trends, uh, but relatively few strategies to actually address that trend. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So let's talk a little bit about the other trends we're seeing there. I can see at the top an authentic travel experience. I can see this engaging uh, with the locals, uh, locals and visitors at a destination. Sustainability and regeneration also comes at pretty, uh, pretty high up. And also this alignment with government and community. Uh, any surprises there? Anything that you'd kind of highlight as something that, that you think is, is, I guess, more important than, than any of the others? Yeah, I think, you know, you of those, um, the one thing that I think is very interesting is that this this number two trend. So the, the trend that, you know, these hundreds and hundreds of, of server respondents, you know, said after AI is is the most important um, you know, trend in the industry, like you said, is this this idea that customers are increasingly seeking a unique, authentic travel experience. Um, and that has been at the top of the rankings. Um, for the past several um, surveys. So this is something that that really hasn't moved. Um, I think that the, 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 the strategies in terms of how destinations are actually addressing that um, are changing. Uh, but you know I think it's 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 important and certainly a key takeaway for us to remember at the end of the day that everything else that we do is is in service of really of this. you know it's um, it's it's creating a product that consumers demand. Um, this idea that um, travelers, whether you're talking about leisure or you know business events, as as your listeners um, you know know that these customers are 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 savvy and uh, that their their demands are changing, and that at the end of the day, um, this idea of authenticity, this idea of uniqueness, is key. And for the destination marketers, being able to lean into that and being able to speak to those kind of core assets of your destination that speak to this demand for authenticity are important and. You know, I think one way to think about this, which, you know, Greg, Greg Oates, 
uh, I, was, I was listening to him speak the other day and, and he makes, you know, the point that he always says, you know, it says every, every destination in Europe, for instance, you know, has a, has a convention center and it's got a, a, a 12th century church. Right. And so it's difficult to market these, these physical assets. And so it's, it's, how do you get to the, the core of the destination? How do you get to the identity? How do you get to the community itself um, and reflect that in a way that speaks to consumers and speaks to your, your, your travelers um, that sets you apart. And I think that's what's being reflected in, in this trend here. Excellent. I think that that makes sense. And I think it's a, it's an excellent trend. Of course, it's not new, but it, it's something that continues to be a challenge, particularly on the marketing side. Uh, now, shifting over to the strategies. Um, so top a new one, you have protect revenue sources to maintain current funding levels. And I saw some data in the report that I thought was quite interesting in this idea that uh, I don't know, I think it's LATAM or, or, or South and, and Latin America is probably the, 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 the area of the world where destinations are more at risk for funding in terms of political shifts, anything like that could really kind of wipe out the funding for a destination organization. Uh, I think the overall percentage is about 37%, which I think is interesting in itself. So over a third of these organizations are kind of at danger of, of having their funding run out. How does DI kind of help these organizations deal with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, good question. And and you're right. And, you know, that's reflected in, in the report as well. Um, you know, like you said, that this number one strategy that that respondents are pursuing revolves around this idea of, of protecting revenue. Um, you know, reflecting this sort of anxiety around uh, around budget cuts um, and and so on, uh, and that's universal as well. I, you know, you're, you're you're right to point out that there's certain regions where you know that that reporting rate was was slightly higher than others, but um, you know that was that was consistently around one in five or. Uh, one in four survey respondents, uh, you know, let us know that they've got serious concerns that um, that there's there's budget cuts coming, or at least the risk of, of budget cuts. Uh, and at at the end of the day, I think a lot of that is rooted in the ability or the inability of a destination organization to communicate what it is that it does. Um, first and foremost, maybe to policymakers, um, but really to any number of stakeholders. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that this idea of advocacy um, and, and this idea of destination organizations advocating for themselves and advocating on behalf of the industry is something that's becoming more and more important um, and something that's more and more valued um, by the industry. Uh, and I think at the end of this, at the, at the end of the day, this idea of protecting funding um, is is directly tied to the idea of being able to communicate the value that you have um, and not not just the economic impact or not just the ROI that you have. I mean, yes, obviously it's important to be able to, to speak to that, but going beyond just the direct economic impact that the destination organization has in the community, being able to speak to the value of protecting the destination brand, uh, the being able to speak to the value of attracting talent to the destination, you know, the, the, the impact, the legacy of the meetings and events that are attracted to the destination, um, the value of, of the industry um, in general is, is crucially important. And um, that's something that we spend an awful lot of time thinking about as an association and, and working with our members on um, is how do we make them more effective advocates for themselves? How do we help them tell the story of the work that they do? How do we help them uh, connect with stakeholders in order to communicate the value of the industry 
um, and the direct role that they have in that. Uh, and so that's, um, yeah, obviously something that we spend an, an awful lot of time um, working on. It, it sounds like yeah, data and research are, are important tools in doing that, right? And, and I, I assume that's one of the reasons why you provide all this research for free and kind of share with widely with your members. Yeah, research and tools is, is, is a certain part of it. Um, no doubt about it. But, you know, a lot of it comes back to, um, you know, the, the strategy of, of just building stronger relationships with stakeholders. You know, what are you doing um, to, to go out to your stakeholders and not just policymakers, but the industry, um, you know, to residents, to the community itself um, and build those, build those relationships. Um, and so again, uh, yeah, this, this idea of, of relationship building um, of advocacy is, is, is really core to who we are in, in, in the work that we do. Excellent. And I know you have a diagnostic tool as well that's sort of connected to uh, the Destination Next, the studies. Uh, could you just explain how that works and who that's for? Sure. Yeah, of course. The uh, Destination Next um, uh, future study um, is, is sort of one part of, um, of a, of a two-piece resource. Uh, so the data from the future study also feeds into um, our assessment tool. So our, the DNext assessment tool um does does two things it, it, it looks at um say that the strengths and opportunities uh of the destination itself um and so it's got a number of variables that look at um the the, the product itself within the destination and is able to kind of chart that um and and and, and look at um opportunities for um for, for strengthening the product itself uh, and then at the same time, it looks at the, the destination organization, which obviously is charged with, with marketing or managing um, those assets. And um, the, the same way uses a, a, a kind of a whole number of variables um, to quantify the, the, the strength of the destination organization itself. Um, and so that, uh, that tool, that resource is updated every two years to reflect um, the, the data that comes out of the, the future study. Um, and then that's something that's that's available to to any destination um, to uh, to participate in and um, yeah to to participate in, in that assessment and that we're we're able to do workshops and, and dig into that data um, with those destination organizations as well. Excellent. So that kind of comes full circle and it's all based on that data. So that that makes a lot of sense. So one of the thing about challenges in, in the industry, of course, and there's a lot of challenges that came up in these trends and these strategies that you have in the report. But if you could pick one challenge that you think is the biggest challenge for our industry as a whole, what would that be? And, and how would you think about addressing it? Yeah, so I, I think that at the end of the day, the biggest challenge that the destination organizations have, so we're, we're speaking here just about, you know, about our members, just about the destinations, uh, comes back to the question that I was just just talking about, which is how do you how do you communicate the the impact of the industry? How do you communicate um, the the positive role that the industry has in the destination? And I think that that's made more challenging by any number of other factors. Um, so when there's questions about sustainability, for instance, you know when there's there's questions about you know, over tourism or 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 or, or, or negative impacts of, of visitation in the destination, you know, then it it lands on the destination organization to say, look, travel and tourism or 
business events, you know, the visitor economy isn't the problem here, you know, and, and we've got a, a seat at the table in terms of, of solving some of these very real problems. Uh, but at the end of the day, is the role of the destination organization uh, to um, to advocate on behalf of, of the industry um, and to find ways to leverage the industry to achieve some of these um, or to solve some of these challenges. Um, and it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. I mean, you know, we, we always say we don't own any assets, we don't manage any assets. Uh, and so it's not as though, you know, we own the center um, or we own, you know, the hotels and we can make changes um, that actually affect, you know, the, these sorts of questions. Um, you know, it's it's our role to have a seat at the table, um, sort of set that that agenda, and 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 um, to work with our stakeholders um, to mitigate those those negative impacts and, and maximize the you know the positive impacts of the destination uh, of the industry. Yeah, so you're looking to find solutions to help those who do own or manage assets, right? But you're trying to be a partner in that uh, in finding those solutions, or at least helping them, kind of guide them in some way. So um, why don't you also get your thoughts on <clears throat> the, the, the next generations entering the industry? Because one of the things that we're picking up uh, that we pick up a lot in terms of trends is this concept that maybe the industry isn't quite as exciting to the younger generations as it could be. And there's sort of challenges in kind of bringing people into the industry. Um, and I just wonder if you could share any thoughts on or advice for people that may be looking at the industry. And I guess in some ways it's, it comes back to the question of, uh, communicating the value of the industry, right? Part of that is also communicating why somebody might want to get involved or might want to have a career in this industry. Any thoughts, any advice that you could, could you give maybe our, our younger uh, listeners? Yeah, it's a, a great question. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's getting out there with the message that, um, you know, travel and tourism um, has uh, a, a challenge of dealing with, with the perception that it's you know, it's seasonal, uh, seasonal work, low paying work, um, low skills work. And that's simply not the case. Uh, and that's something that we hear from our members all the time, you know, that, that, that comes up in our events. Um, this question of attracting and retaining um, uh, talent, um, both at the destination organization, but then within the industry in their destination is, 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 is a big and ongoing challenge. Um, but I'm optimistic in that regard. I mean, we have um, for years, we've, we've had our, our 30 under 30 program. Uh, and of course, PCMA has uh, the 20 to the 20s and, and, and others in the industry as well, which are identifying, uh, you know, young leaders who, um, you know, are, are, are visionaries and, um, and, and bringing um, a diverse set of skills and enthusiasm to the industry. Um, so, you know, we, we've got programs like that, that, you know, obviously are, are really exciting and, um, you know, it's it's energizing to see uh, the the young young leaders that are coming up, but at the same time, obviously there are there are real challenges. And we had uh, an eye opening experience fairly recently where we we went through and looked at alumni through our thirty under thirty program. Uh, so you know the hundreds and hundreds of people that um, had been identified through that program over the previous whatever five or eight years, and. Um, you know, I, I don't remember the number exactly, but some huge percentage of them no longer worked in the industry. Uh, and so if, if we're losing, you know, the best and the brightest, um, then uh, then there is a, a real problem there and a, and a real disconnect. Um, and so we, we work with our members, we work with, with CEOs and senior leaders 
uh, from our, our organizations to make room for, uh, for the next generation um, to ensure that they've got a seat at the table um, you know, within their organizations. And we also try to create a, a seat at the table for them you know, at, at DI. And so we make a conscious effort to, uh, to ensure that young voices um, are heard and, and reflected in, in our events. Um, and we, we feel that's, that's very, very important, um, not just to give them a platform, uh, but also, of course, to, uh, to, 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 you know, foster them to, to, to build their skills um, and make sure that their voices are, are heard in the industry. That's so important. I think it's, it's easy to talk about sort of advice, but if you're not kind of finding a place for, for younger people in the industry, then it's easy to get discouraged as well. So it's great to hear that you're doing that. So Gabe, thanks for uh, talking us through all this. I think there's some great research here and some great resources. I wanted to get your advice on who else we should have on the podcast. Last question of the show, we always ask our guests to suggest someone else and hopefully we can have them as a guest and kind of continue the conversations. Yeah, so, and I, I think I told you, Miguel, so I was I was agonizing over this and thinking, okay, you know, who, who can I bring? Who, who do I recommend that, that you haven't already had on the show? Um, but I think, uh, and I, I apologize if it's uh, if it's uh, a, a little too self-serving, but I think that you should have somebody else from from DI, uh, from Destinations International, and that's um, Emily Schrader, who leads our business event strategy. Um, so she's sort of a, a one-woman shop in terms of business events at DI, um, and just a, a wealth of knowledge. Um, both from her experience um, in convention sales in, in Indianapolis. Uh, but also as the um, the curator of DI's business events knowledge, she works with our planner influencer board, uh, our large market roundtable, our convention sales committee, um, and so has access to some of the most brilliant people um, in the industry uh, and really just a, a leader in that space, um, really innovative thinker, and I think would be uh, a great asset on the on the podcast. And um, yeah, I think somebody that your listeners would enjoy hearing as well. Brilliant. Love the recommendation and it's okay to be self-serving. I think it sounds like she has some really relevant knowledge and she'd be a great guest on the show. Gabe, thank you very much for joining and sharing your insights and sharing all this useful data. And uh, I assume people could reach out to you if they want to know more uh, through LinkedIn or how, how can people find you if they want to know more? Sure, yeah, of course. Um, you know, destinationsinternational.org, uh, you'll find everything uh, about DI DI there, and of course, um, contact information for our whole team is available there as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for being on the show, and uh, good luck with your with your next ventures in uh, destination organizations. Thank you, Miguel. 